This is Rock and Roll English. Real people, real English. Here's your host, Martin Johnston. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Rock and Roll English. Episode number 227 and today is a special episode. Normally there is an episode every two weeks but... I recently recorded such a fantastic episode with a very special person and I wanted to share this with you. So I spoke to Jamie Keddy recently, okay? And Jamie is an author, an Oxford University Press author. He also won an award for the British Council for Innovation and he is here to talk to us about stories, okay? Now, you know I love stories, but Jamie is the king of stories. All of these books he's written and everything else have all been about stories. So, you know, I think I know something about stories, but Jamie just takes this to a whole new level. And he is able to tell a story better than anyone I know. And in this episode, he even treats us to one of his stories. So make sure you listen to that. And I honestly think of all of the episodes that I have created here on Rock and Roll English. This is right up there with the absolute best. Now, I don't want to waste too much time talking because I want you to listen to Jamie. So let's have a listen. But before we do, remember membership to the Rock and Roll English family opens next Monday. Okay, and stories is a massive, massive, massive part of it. Anyway, here is the conversation with Jamie. I will talk to you again at the end just to have a kind of recap, not of vocabulary there is no vocabulary today. It's just stories. Okay, so let's get to the episode. I will speak to you again at the end. In the meantime, happy listening. So hello, Jamie, and welcome to Rock and Roll English. Hello, Martin. What a lovely, what a lovely honour to be invited to be with you. It's lovely to, to meet you and lovely to be on your podcast. Thank you. It's an honour to have you here. But unfortunately, I, I've kind of some bad news for you that I had my first Scottish person on the podcast last week, which is strange because um, in the four years I've been doing this podcast, I had never had a Scottish person on the podcast. And then last week, there's a Scottish person and now there's another one. It's like London buses. You wait all this time for one and then two come at the same time. I don't I'm not the most Scottish person you'll ever meet. So I don't so I'm not I'm not offended by that. I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy. Yeah. Right. Was okay. it was it was he a good man? Um it was a girl actually and yeah great girl great girl so there's a lot to live up to now okay Well I'm the first Scottish man so at least yeah. I've, okay I'll take that ladies first yeah. Okay exactly absolutely <laughs> Um so as I mentioned um in the introduction to the podcast Jamie is a storytelling king okay and as the listeners know I love stories um I always find difficulty, though, trying to say why I think they're so important. I think it's because I'm not so articulate. But following your stuff, Jamie, you are able to articulate that very well to tell us why stories are such an effective way of learning. So why don't you tell us why, in your opinion, stories are such an effective way of learning, especially languages? Well, I mean, I mean, story and language are inseparable, really. In fact, there is a there is a. I don't know how seriously this should be taken. I have tried to follow it up, but uh, in a book that I've read called The Science of Storytelling by a guy called Will Storr, it's a good name, he says that there's a, there's a study 
that human beings actually learn to talk so that they could tell stories. Mm. Which, as I said, I don't want. I, I'm not. I can't quite chase up the the reference. It's a bit of a weak reference, but it's an idea. But I mean, really, story and language are inseparable. However, you look at it, you know. Um, what a, I mean, from everything you do in the classroom, if you're a teacher, and this is where I'm coming at it from. Um, you know, context, for example, if you have to mm. find a context. Uh, for a word or a structure or a piece of grammar, context is story in a sense, Absolutely. you know. Absolutely. Uh, That's one of the things um, I say, actually, that I believe words are more memorable once they're in a story because obviously you've got the context as well. And on the podcast, I often tell like crazy, embarrassing stories about things that happened to my life. Um, again, because I think it makes it more memorable because everyone loves to hear embarrassing stories no one wants to hear a story about how wonderful my life is do they if I tell you oh oh I just I went to the shop in my Ferrari and just came back to my huge house with a, a enormous swimming pool no one wants to hear that but I don't know if you fall over on the street and then you lose your money or something that's a story people I think want to hear because it it makes us realize I think we're all vulnerable we all have these same moments, um, so that that's why I try and tell these kind of stories because, like you said, the, the context and it makes it more memorable, in my opinion. Exactly. Yes. Nobody, everybody needs a an antihero, and you're absolutely right. Everybody wants everybody wants to see the human side um, of the person who's the teacher or the learner, and to be human is to absolutely. have faults. Okay, absolutely. Uh, yeah. That's what it is, yeah. isn't it? Even even the the most hardened heroes have their weaknesses, and if they didn't, they wouldn't be popular. Absolutely. Um, so, how much have you kind of studied storytelling? Because when I've watched some of the stuff that you do online, and you're always telling a story, I'm absolutely glued to the screen like I, th I don't know I think you had a video the other day and I saw it. it you know like you can watch the first 10 seconds or whatever and then you have to like click on the video because the video is like three minutes or something I thought I'm not going to watch all this three minutes you know three minutes on the internet these days on your phone is a long time and I thought there's no way I'm going to watch this but I just could not put my phone down um, so what is what is your technique? Well, that's good to hear. And to be honest, I, I haven't really studied story in the way that you might think. Um, mm. Because as a, as a teacher and somebody who works in, in language, uh, language teaching and language learning, story and storytelling seem to be more associated with young learners. And I'm much more interested in in older learners, adults and teenagers. So a mm -hmm. lot of the things that I do, I just, I've, I've, I've come to them through my own practice, through just trying it, through being a teacher, through being a, mm -hmm. uh, making videos, giving presentations, giving talks. I've just learned these techniques or discovered them, or I'm not saying I've discovered them, but other people have discovered them, <laughs> but I've, I've discovered them late. Let's yeah. say, you know, I mean, I suppose Martin is is what. There's so many ways we can we can we can look at this. If we're talking about story, is it, for example, language learners telling their own stories as a way of of learning 
English? Is it a way of language learners reading stories, you know, getting involved in, in, in novels, extensive reading uh, for their pleasure? To improve their their fluency, that kind of thing. Um, is it is it what what else? There's there's other th- ways it could be. Is it language learners developing their storytelling skills? Um, mm. You know, and so what what do you reckon would be most useful here? I would say developing your um, storytelling skills. I had difficulty saying that. I don't know why, <laughs> um, because I I've kind of noticed recently because I've even when I was at school, I remember all of my friends always saying like how much they enjoyed like my stories and stuff like this. So it's something that's kind of followed me around. But like you, I've never like studied it or anything. But in the last few years, I've, I don't know, studied it a little bit more, I suppose. I've read a couple of books and I pay more attention. And I notice, for example, um, when, I don't know, I'm at a dinner table with some friends. And what basically happens is it's just one person tells a story and then that makes someone else think of another story and then that person tells a story and so myself as a language learner because i live in italy um I'm, my italian's pretty good not perfect in that situation i'm at a dinner table and that someone says something and i think i've got a brilliant story to tell about that but then i think oh do i want to like get all of the attention of the table and start s- with this story and all of the focus on me. So I think developing your storytelling skills is something that can be really, really useful. That's, I mean, that's interesting as, as much as I love telling stories and as much as I've worked on it for years and years, I don't always feel comfortable being that kind of dinner table storyteller. Mm. You know, there's so many different contexts and situations that we might find ourselves storytelling. I think probably, I think I prefer one-to-one if I'm with a friend having a beer or a coffee and there's just two of us. So we know there's a genuine exchange, an equal balance of who's talking. And, and if, you know, and, and if you, if you're going to tell a story, I think you've probably got a bit of responsibility to make sure that you're, your your interlocutor, to uh-huh. take a word from Cambridge examinations or IELTS, yeah. <laughs> your 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 companion, your coffee companion, is is actually willing to has got the time, has and and actually wants to hear a story. So I think you you know if you're if you want to tell a story, I think you've got to make sure you tell it well, um, and that's what this is all about, I guess. Uh, absolutely yeah. and that's actually what i believe the podcast is this is rock and roll english of like you mentioned you're in a pub with a friend because although um the podcast is recorded i actually record these podcasts with close friends and that's basically what it is of so um a friend and i telling stories and then but it's recorded so i always say it's like sitting in a pub and listening to two friends having a conversation telling stories <laughs> um so that's basically what exactly what rock and roll english is so tell us how can we improve our storytelling skills well that's that's the that's the the great question martin and i think that there's a often when people think about storytelling skills they think about the whole the whole process of of telling a story in the sense of the performance Mm -hmm. so for example speaking clearly 
using gesture, in other words, moving your hands around. Yeah, not Keep, useful for a podcast, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eye contact, similarly, is not very useful for a podcast as well either. Yeah. Um, you know, making, paying attention to your, you know, the, the, the pace mm-hmm. of your speech, you know, that, in other words, how fast or how slow you're going. But of really, course. these are tiny details, and I don't think they're very important. Mm, interesting. Uh, because really what's important, if you want to tell a good story, is, is, is less about the performance and much, much more about the preparation. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to think carefully. I mean, you've been in this situ- situation before, Martin, and I'm sure mm-hmm. everybody who's listening has, that you tell a story, it failed... It didn't work, and you say it's a very, it's quite a good English uh, idiom. This ah, well, you had to be there. Oh, classic! You, you, you had to be there. Yeah. yeah, it was funny when it happened. You had to be there. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yes, exactly. So especially if it's a funny story, and so you tell your story, um, but it doesn't get the reaction that you you were hoping for. People didn't laugh, and so it's your excuse. Ah, well, you. You know, my you didn't like my story. Um, you had to be there to experience this situation for yourself. Yeah. It's a bad excuse because the truth is that you didn't have to be there. It's just that you, we, myself included, all of us, we told the story badly. Okay. <laughs> and that comes down to a very simple idea that nobody ever told us how to tell a good story. Absolutely, yeah. You know, and so we have to, we have to discover these things for ourselves, and we have to. And the thing is that even when you when your story fails, it's difficult to know why it failed. Absolutely, yeah. And one of the first things you can do is to ask yourself the question: Why am I telling this story? What specifically does it mean to me? You know. Um, what do I want to use this story for? And even if it's just, I want it to be entertaining, I want, it was a funny situation, I want my listener to to kind of live or experience the same thing that I saw, that I lived or I experienced indirectly, and that's what I want to do. That's a perfectly good answer to the question, what do I okay. want to take what 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 does this story mean to me or why am I telling this story? But then mm-hmm. you start to realize, well, wait a minute, um, there's more to it than that, uh, you know. And uh, if you can answer the question, the 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 more precisely, or the the more accurately, or the better you can answer the question, why am I telling this story? The more likely it is to succeed. Okay. What Interesting. Does, does that make sense? Um, it does. But so, okay, let's use me as an example. When I think, okay, I want to tell this story on the podcast. So it's entertaining. And I always think of people listening to this podcast, maybe going to work. I remember when I worked in London, I had to take the train. It was very boring. And I always think, okay, so I want to give some people something enjoyable to listen to. Um, so that's that's my reason. But then... What else do I need? Do I just need my reason? Well, if it's if it's quite simply a story that um, you're telling because it's funny, then mm-hmm. you've got to take go things go further. You know, why? What is it that makes this story funny? And let's say that you can maybe 
Um, the thing that made it funny was somebody's reaction, an okay. unexpected reaction. And perhaps you, you experienced that person's reaction and there was something very visual about it. Mm-hmm. And so when you tell the story, you're going to have to pay a close attention to recreating that image in your listener's mind. And that's the kind of thing, that's the kind of attention to detail that okay. we need. You've got to think, what is the image or what is the imagery, the mental images that I'm trying here to put into the mind of my listener, you know? Because okay. if, you, if, if your listener doesn't experience that same reaction that you experience, if you just kind of move over it very quickly, then then you're it's going to be a you had to be there situation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, I like that to really focus on what actually, yeah, the 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 moment I suppose which made it funny or or whatever in the story. Yes, very nice. I tell you what, why don't I tell you a story? Oh, absolutely. And, and then we can. In, de- in fact, w- w- when you say that, I, I I noticed this recently again because I pay attention to these things. For example, I'm I'm massively into football, um, and I love nothing better than. I think I've got to a point in life where I actually prefer listening to people talk about football than watching football itself. But um, And I love nothing better than when I watch like an interview with someone and he says, I'll tell you a story. Because even that, it kind of makes me think, ah, oh, like, here we go. So like, even when you just said that now, I kind of think, right, OK, sit back, popcorn, I'm ready. <laughs> What's, who's your team, by the way? Um, I'm one of those people from the South that support Manchester United because uh, when I was young, there was Eric Cantona, which was uh, a god to me. And a a French person playing in England at that time with his collar up, it was like, whoa, this is crazy. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. Um, But I I always say I'm a football fan first. I love the game more than anything. um, I'm I'm tempted to tell you a football story, but the problem (laughs) is it might... might it's a story that I'm, I've never told before. I'm racking my brains here. I've got a couple. They might end up being you had to be there stories. Okay. Purely okay. because so I haven't taken the time to think you, about them first. You can tell me those another time. Um, so so let's hear the story that <laughs> you had planned. Well, this is a story that I, I, I just recently shared on my Instagram, mm. um, on an Instagram video. So it's kind of fresh in my mind. So I'm thinking, you know, if I'm going to tell a story to you and... Uh, and your listeners, I think it's better that I, I use one that I've okay. prepared, you know? Of course. As you mentioned, preparation's the key. Yeah. And and one of the one good way to one good thing to ask yourself is how to how to start a story. And those okay. words that you, you mentioned mm. coming from interviews and football contexts, I want to tell you a story, is not a bad way to start mm-hmm. a story, you know. It does mark the journey. Mm-hmm. That you're going to take people on, and so it can alert uh, your your listeners to this this uh, this this idea. So, it, mm-hmm. uh, but there's there are many many different ways to start stories. I think. Um, let me let do you, do you know who Walter and Jess are? Is it not Jesse? Jesse, that's right from Breaking Bad, the yes. TV series. So yeah. Do okay. you do you remember the very first scene? of the very first episode of the very first season. And Walter is n- naked 
except for his white underpants and this old-fashioned gas mask, which completely covers his face. And he's driving this this kind of RV, this van, mm-hmm. and he's desperate. And Jesse is almost, I think maybe Jesse is almost naked as well, but he's in the passenger seat, unconscious. And it's, and you've, as a watcher, as a viewer, you've got no idea what's going on here. But you're thinking, why is this guy naked? Why is he in his underpants? Why is his companion unconscious? Um, in the back of the van, you know, there's two other bodies moving around from side to side as Walter frantically drives this van. And then he crashes it into a ditch. And uh, this is this is a really, really key technique that all storytellers use. And this storyteller is a visual storyteller. This is, this is what's his name again? I forget the name of the, the Breaking Bad guy. But uh, it's, it's, uh, it, it intrigues you. It makes you curious. You're also confused. You have many questions, but as a mm-hmm. as a storytelling creature, you know that all the questions you're going to you you have are going to be answered if you just keep watching. And that's the whole idea because that's what you that's what of they course. want you to do. Yeah, of course. You want your viewers to keep watching. If you're a storyteller, yeah. you want your your um your listeners to keep listening. And this is a technique with a general term. It's called a narrative hook. Okay. A hook, something you would hang things on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a narrative hook. And it's almost like to get your audience hooked. Okay, or, yeah. You know, to bring them in and to get them interested, maybe to make them curious or confused, but to keep them with you. And as a teacher, I'm always thinking about narrative hooks. Okay. So let me tell you this story very quickly. This is a story that happened in 1981. How old were you then, Martin? Um, I was still waiting for three years to be born because I was born (laughs) in 1984. (laughs) I was, uh, in 1981, I was uh, exactly 11 years old. Yeah. Yeah. And the story that I'm going to tell you involves a list Okay. And uh, I wonder if maybe this is the story that you, you heard the other day. Um, I think a list. The list. No, well, there's four items in the list. And the first one is Madame Tussauds Wax okay, Museum. No. I heard a story about misunderstandings. And I thought what you actually mentioned was um, uh, a very good point. How misunderstandings in language should be celebrated because they're like funny things that happen. Um, so anyway, I don't want to distract you. So oh, yes, we, yeah. Let's, so that well, this is this is a, another story. It involves a certain type of misunderstanding. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So I love misunderstandings. They're my favourite kinds of of story. So Madame Tussauds Wax Museum is the okay. first item on the list. Okay. The second item on my list is the movie or the film Superman Two. Okay. Which. If you won't remember, because you weren't born yet, Martin, was yeah. out in 1981. Okay, yeah. right. The third item on the list is the Egyptian mummies. Okay, <laughs> the all Egyptian. things are perfectly connected, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the fourth thing in the, on, the, on the list is the Tower of London. Right, okay. So we've got Madame Tussauds Wax Museum. We've got the movie Superman 2. 
we've got the the Egyptian mummies, and we've got the Tower of London. I thought this was maybe slightly um, relevant uh, because where are you from, Martin? I'm from Essex. You're from just Essex. outside of London, yeah. So that yeah, this is so th- so students would then be given the task. What do these you, your 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 word that you just mentioned is a key mm-hmm. word in story and storytelling. You mentioned the word connection. Okay. Yep. Stories and storytelling. Stories are all about connections and associations, and so you know mm-hmm. there's a connection between these four items on the list. Okay. Um, I've already connected my story with you by asking you how old you were in 1981, where you're from, trying to find out how relevant this story is to your life. I actually chose this story because it's got a big part about London. And okay, I know that right. you've got the Union Jack on your yeah. on your rock and roll English. I know London has a, a, a part in, on your, your kind of identity. Yeah. Am I right? Uh, I suppose I, I lived in London for a few years as well. Yeah, and all I mean, there's so many course books, aren't there? And schools use iconography about London. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it's red phone boxes or mm. black cabs or Big Ben um, or Union Jacks. There's a lot of kind of London images and iconography. You know, and so there seems to be something about London which language learners or learners of English, I don't know, do they um, do they aspire to it? I really don't know. I, I can't help you with that one either, unfortunately. <laughs> but I, I grew up in a tiny little village in Scotland and uh, I had never been to London in my life. And in 1981, I told you I was 11 years old. Mm-hmm. That was a lie. I was actually nine years old in 1981. Okay. And my mum, for the very first time in my life, took me to the capital. She took me from my tiny village in Scotland on a train all the way down to London. And I was really, really excited about it. I, I, you, this was actually quite a special summer. It was, the, it was the same summer that Charles and Diana got married. Okay. Three years before you were born, Martin. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this is, so that was in the air. Okay, right, sure. As was the new film just out, Superman 2. Okay. And uh, the great thing about going to London was uh, when new films came out in those days, uh, they would go straight to London. They oh, wouldn't right, be shown okay. in other parts of the world. Right. Uh, sorry, other parts of the country, I should say. Yeah. You know, and Scotland always came last. Okay which wasn't very fair in my mind. So on the train from Edinburgh to London, we made a list of all the things we were going to do. And those things were, go to Madame Tussauds Wax Museum. Do you know where that is? Which street it's on? Well, I know the the street, the tube station you get off, I think is Baker Street. Exactly. Just like the song. Do you know that song? Um, I do now you've um, just given me like the tune, but I didn't know the, the title. Yeah, yeah. Baker Street. And I, okay. Yeah, I lived in London. I could never stop thinking of that tune whenever I went past Baker Street. So we wanted to go to see Madame Tussauds Wax Museum. We wanted to go and see Superman 2 at the cinema, of course. Um, also go to the London Tower. You know, any trip to London without going to London Tower is not a trip to London. We wanted to go to see the Egyptian mummies at the British Museum. Okay. 
Um, and that was the, the the four things in our list, the things the things that I remember in any case. But the thing that I wanted to do more than any of those things, the thing that actually didn't go on the list was... Now, I'm using a technique here. I'm just going to pause. Because, to, yeah, I, maybe because I, I suppose the technique is to create suspense because I'm thinking, tell me, tell me, yes. tell me. Yes. <laughs> I want the thing I wanted to do more than anything was go on the London Underground. Okay, right. Yeah. Now I could have just said to you, um, but I wanted to go on the London Underground. That was the thing I wanted to do more than anything. Mm. Now I reversed. This is about paying attention to the details, the order of the ideas that follow uh-huh. your story. In this case, the London Underground comes last. If you want to maintain the suspense. So the okay, thing that yeah. I wanted to do more than anything at all, more than any of these things on the list, was go on the London Underground. I mean, imagine that. Imagine tunnels, tunnel, <laughs> tunnels under the ground. You know, while everyone else is in the streets above, we would be moving through the earth below. Yeah, crazy. For, for a nine-year-old boy, that just seemed like one of the most incredible things I was ever going to do in my life, you know? Absolutely, yeah. But, but would it be dangerous? How how would we get down there? Would would we have to wear these special helmets with with, with torches? And I actually, you know, I, I kind of, there's a part of me that didn't really believe that the underground, London Underground was possible. Maybe that it didn't even exist. It was just a, a fiction. Mm-hmm. But we both know that it does exist. It, it does, definitely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, not in the way that I imagined it. Um, um, no, yeah. there are lights down there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember being quite disappointed. And my mum my knew it as well. And she said, well, what did you expect? And, and uh, you know, I said, well, when we were on the train, I, I, I expected to see more out of the window. <laughs> and she said something that my mum would always say, oh, for God's sake, Jamie, run to the ground. What did you expect to see out of the window? And I didn't say anything, you know, I just kept quiet. I knew that she was right, you know, she was my mum. <laughs> and I didn't tell her any of the things that I'd been expecting to see out of the window, which were... Just to give you some examples, stalactites and stalagmites and other fantastic rock formations and maybe some dinosaur fossils and giant worms and, of course, not to forget molten lava, you know, bright red hot (laughs) molten lava and maybe just every now and again some buried treasure. But I didn't tell her those are the things I was expecting to see, Martin. I just kept quiet. Yeah. The title of the story, by the way, is Jamie's Big London Disappointment. Oh, right. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And that could be the end of the story. But there are, you know, and we can end the story there, but there are also four little side stories, which I'm not going to tell you because it's, you know, but each one of them is the story of the other four items in the list. For example, Madame Tussauds Wax Museum, which quite frankly, Martin, I've found a bit boring i don't really get the idea of celebrities made out of wax i totally agree when i went there it's the same kind of disappointment (laughs) yeah and the tower of london 
was closed. Or at least that's what my mum said. But okay. I and I just took her word from. I think maybe it was just too expensive, and she didn't think I was worth it because <laughs> I'd been moaning the whole time. Yeah, and um, yeah. Superman. Did you get to see Superman? Well, the Egyptian mummies. Oh, and the, and the just Egyptian mummies. just before the Egyptian mummies. I was you know being that little boy that loved stuff like that. I was really looking forward to Egyptian mummies in the British Museum. Unfortunately, somebody had been sick, had thrown up, had vomited in the Egyptian mummy's room and it looked absolutely disgusting and it smelled even worse. And so we didn't stay. We, we left immediately. And so this was a, you know, but Superman 2, can I swear? No, I'm not going to swear. You can swear. You can swear. Don't worry. Superman 2 was fucking awesome. <laughs> and I and I went back to, to Scotland. I was the very first boy in our whole school who had seen Superman 2 because it wasn't available in Scotland. And I was, yeah. I was for a few days, I was a hero. I, I can imagine. Wow. Coming back <laughs> to Scotland after watching Superman 2. And so I was, I was, a, I was, a, I, I was saved by Superman. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a great way to end the story. Saved by Superman. How many people can say that? Lois Lane and that yeah. little boy that fell almost into Niagara Falls. Me, her, and he have something in common. <laughs> yeah, very exclusive club, that is. Um, fantastic. Yeah. I, I enjoyed that story a lot because that's the thing. You've got such an ability to tell it. Like the whole time, I am I was just totally focused. In fact, so focused, I think we've gone well over the time here because I was just too focused on your story. Oh, well, I'll tell you what. I know we, we let's, let's, if you want, let's wrap it up then. Let me just, Say three quick things about that story. Is that okay? Okay, absolutely. No, I'm. I'm. I've got as much time as you want. I was worried about wasting your time. Oh no, no, no! Don't you worry about that. I'm okay. actually. I'm good for ten more, fifteen more minutes. Okay, let's go. Well, the first thing you know, we mentioned. What does this story mean? What is the mm -hmm. story about specifically? Why am I telling it? Mm -hmm. And this, I do, This is not a test. Um, but bef you know when I when I ended the story by the with the title, this is Jamie's big London disappointment, bef mm -hmm. and I didn't go into the other things on the list. For example, mm -hmm. Madame Tussauds. But I wonder what what did you take away from it? And there, this, as I said, this is not a test. This is just a genuine question. Everybody can take something away which is different from a story. What would it mean to you? What would it be about that story that you liked? Um, I suppose for me, um, obviously I hadn't really thought about this, but I suppose it was just the, I don't know, the innocence of an eleven-year-old boy, like the excitement of and his imagination. Because when you said you had imagined all of these things of like lava and dinosaurs, um, and then just almost feeling a bit sorry for you, I suppose, of thinking, oh, like poor little Jamie, um, <laughs> he'd expected all this, and then his mum's telling him off, saying, "What did you expect?" Um, so I suppose that that was my sort of overriding feeling, and that's funny because I didn't I didn't necessarily expect you mm. to say that that was the thing that you you took away from the story, but that absolutely was my starting point. This is a mm. story about a, a, a nine year old boy's um, understanding of the world. You know, mm -hmm. children can be very confused little creatures, and I certainly was one of those confused little creatures. And um, 
and so that's what this is about. That in a, in, a, in in that is the essence of the story, and everything else comes around that. And so, if I know exactly why I'm telling the story, I think it becomes a stronger story. But that does not mean that everybody okay. else will take that away from it. It just mm-hmm. means that it's going to be a a stronger story. So the second thing about this story is, and this is this is the most important thing of all. This is the most important thing of all. See, again, when you say that again, I think, oh God, here we go. This is the, this is the big moment. <laughs> well, these are these are present. These are presenting. These are presentation techniques, okay. and these are storytelling techniques. And yeah. it really does. Rather than just telling the most important thing and then telling someone it's the most important thing of all, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, exactly. You're absolutely right. The most important thing at all that nobody ever told me is the importance of preparing. Mm-hmm. your story you have to take some time to think about it you've got to take some time to give it some shape take mm-hmm. time to give it the structure that it needs what's your way in you know mm-hmm. a story is like a building and there's many different ways into that building you can go in through the door if you want to be normal start the story at the beginning or if you want to be a bit crazy you can go through the chimney if you want to be santa claus or you can go through the window if you're a burglar you can even take a bulldozer and make a hole in the wall and climb in that way depending on what you're how you want in a narrative hook is a way into your story and i use the narrative okay. hook by giving you this list uh-huh. as a teacher that's a very good device for me because it can get my students talking but mm-hmm. as I, I wouldn't suggest that that would be a good narrative hook if you're a language learner and just wanting to improve your storytelling but always think about your way in okay so that was the first thing was know what your story means number two um take some time to think about it and to develop it and um i would say the third thing if you're a language learner is write your stories down. This is a really good way. Now, this is going to sound a bit strange, I would say. A lot of teachers might think this is a bit of a bad way to do it, but this is this is how I improve my Spanish. Mm-hmm. I write my stories down in English, okay. and I make sure I work with them until I've got a text that I'm happy with. Mm-hmm. And the story I just told you, I have a text. It's a very short text, about 300 words. And I work with that text in English until I'm happy with it. And then I take that text, I drop it into Google Translate and Mm. and translate it into Spanish. Okay. Now, my Spanish isn't bad, so I'm being a bit lazy here, I know. But when it comes out of Google Translate, which is getting better and better and better, I suddenly read through it and I go, because of my knowledge of Spanish, I can go, hmm, no, that's not a very good translation. Oh, yeah, that is a really good translation. I would not have used Spanish in this way. And then I take it to a Spanish-speaking friend of mine and get him to look at it. And then I try and learn this and internalize it. Um, So the translation has been through my my Spanish-speaking mm-hmm. friend who's got a very good command of the language. And uh, I, 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 I internalize it. So what I've done is taken my own, my own story, which is part of myself, and t- created a, 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 another Spanish story in my repertoire. And mm. those are the three things I wanted to say. And um, just a quick question. Do you try to memorize that word for word? Because what, what I normally do, so in the podcast and... In general, other times when I've had to give like a speech, like a performance, when I've given speeches at friends' weddings, for example, as a best man, and you have to tell funny stories, that's like the whole thing. Um, I 
I always have like prompts. Mm. So I kind of think, right, there's that, there's that. In fact, when the the last speech I did, I actually had a piece of paper and I drew like probably, I don't know, 20 pictures on there. And each picture was like the next prompt for the story because mm. to memorize it word for word is obviously quite difficult. So how do you do it? Well, that's a great question. That's, that's quite, a, a, there's a lot we could go into there, but I would say for very specifically for language learners, I would say once you've got a very good translation of your story in English, mm. maybe highlight the parts of your story that use language, which is going to allow you to improve as a speaker mm. of English. Of course, yeah. So maybe imagine you were going to take six, let's call them sentences. Mm. I would say try and learn those sentences off by heart, repeat them. And mm. then just one day, if you've got a situation where you're able to speak English with a friend and doesn't, you know, another, another friend and you both speak English, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a British person or an American person. Just tell the story in English and try to include those, let's call them six sentences that you've tried to mm. learn by heart. And yeah, use notes if it makes your job easier. There's, there's, it's all, but do it well. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, that's really interesting because I did almost exactly that at the speech. So I got married last year and at my wedding, I gave a speech well, in English and in Italian and almost went f through that exact process of I wrote it in English. Um, well, I actually then got a friend that's um, like English, American, no, English, American, American, Italian <laughs> to translate it. And then, as you said, memorize those exact points. And I think this is a really important thing to do because through story, when you spoke about connection, one of the great things about story is it connects you to people. And I think that's the goal of language. So if you want to learn a job, it's to create connections to, I don't know, create friendships, maybe to find a wife, a husband, um, to create connections and I think there is no better way to do that than through story so if you have as a language learner if you I don't know if you have like 10 great stories like and if you go to a dinner table for example with some friends and I don't know, you tell one of those stories people will think you know this person's all right it's like it absolutely yes I guess it also it can it can go wrong can't it of course, um, and, everything can go wrong. Yeah, I, I, we, yes, I, I, that definitely is the the goal, and it takes a, awareness, I think, because I, I often think about a teacher I had at school who used to tell us stories, and it never worked because mm -hmm. the stories he was telling, he was trying to to show off. Okay. He was trying to be one of us. He was right. trying to demonstrate to us how cool he was. And so it takes awareness, doesn't it? And and so um, that's it's a really interesting. I'm, I'm always interested in how storytelling can go wrong as as much as. But you're absolutely right that when it does go right, it's because you've created that connection. That's such yeah. a good word, which is exactly what that teacher was unable to create between us and him. So yes. Okay. Well, I've absolutely loved every single minute of this, Jamie. It's been um, a lesson for me, I think, more than anyone else. As I always say to the listeners, every day is a school day, um, to a chance to learn something new. And I've definitely learned a lot. So thank you very much for your time. Well, thank you for inviting me 
Martin, and hello to all your listeners. Thank you for listening, listeners. Lovely to, to, to be here. Um, no problem. And just before you go, quickly tell us where can we find out more about you and your stories? Um, I guess Instagram and YouTube okay. are as good as any. Um, on Instagram, I'm Jamie Keddy. Okay, um, I'll put links to this in the okay. show notes anyway. Uh, and on YouTube, I'm the same. Okay. Conveniently. Okay, very convenient. <laughs> yes. Okay, thanks a lot for your time, Jamie. And we'll hopefully maybe see you soon. I hope so. Very, very much hope so. Thanks very much again, Martin. Thanks. Bye-bye. Take Bye. care. Bye-bye. Bye now. So all I'm going to say about that is, wow. Well, I mean, that's not all I'm going to say. I'm going to say lots more. But that's the first thing I'm going to say, because I thought that was amazing. I loved what he said about think how you want the listener to feel. What's the point of the story? I also liked his advice about stories in foreign languages. Most teachers would tell you that's stupid advice to go to Google Translate, etc. But I actually think that is good advice, especially writing it. That's something we do a lot in the rock and roll English family. We share stories, share experiences. A quote I love about stories, which I shared recently in the family and I have shared many times, is a good story might leave everyone in awed silence. So awed silence, like admiration, let's say. But a great story evokes similar stories and unites people. It creates community by reminding us that our lives are more similar then they are different. Now, I think this is amazing, absolutely amazing, because that's exactly what happens. People share stories and then it reminds someone else of another story. Because I'm sure you live in a different country to me, you come from a different place, and many of you are in this situation. And even people that come from my country, obviously, we're not the same. But one thing that we all have in common, you, me, your mum, your dad, everyone, your friends, the person that works in the supermarket, the person that drives planes, the person that saves lives in any country. One thing we all have in common is we are all humans. So I guarantee you have felt anxious, happy, excited, embarrassed, just like me. And I guarantee some of the things that happened to me on the podcast have happened to you or something similar. I don't talk about the time I won the lottery because that's never happened to me. And I'm sure it's probably never happened to you. If it has, you can send me some money. No problem there. So this is why I love stories so much, because I feel that they are able to unite people, create bonds in a way that nothing else is able to do. And this is exactly why in the Rock and Roll English family, stories play such a big part. I will speak to you again in the week with some more information about how stories play such a big part in the Rock and Roll English family. So keep your ears open for some more episodes here and I will also send some emails. And obviously, if you do have any questions about the Rock and Roll English family, or even if you just want to chat, let me know, okay? I will see you all very soon, people. But in the meantime, just keep on rocking, baby. Thanks so much for listening to Rock and Roll English. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit rockandrollenglish.com and facebook.com slash rockandrollenglish. We'll catch you next time.